0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. As usual, my name is Michael, and co-hosting with me is Phoenix. Today we have one guest. His name is Keneike. Keneike was a former special advisor to the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Education during the Good Luck Jonathan administration. And the three topics we'll be discussing today are, first of all, we'll discuss the 20% salary increase for Nigerian police officers. Secondly, we'll discuss the gender equality bill bill that was debated before the Nigerian parliament. And thirdly, we'll discuss the BBC report of cultism in Nigerian politics. So to our first topic, the 20% salary increase for the Nigerian police officers, Phoenix, is is this well deserved? And where has this come from?
1: Hi, Michael. And hi, Kaneike. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, listeners. Good to be back with you um, on another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. Um, I think, I mean, taking a step back from uh, the whole episode, I remember that when we when we when we had the end size. Uh, protests, uh, October 2020. Incidentally, one of the things that the people had put out there as as a demand was was for a review of compensation for for members of the police force, uh, which was ostensibly to ensure they were better remunerated, and maybe that would uh, bring. Um, People of better character into the force and ultimately address some of the issues that, that we have. Of course, um, part of it is also the fact that they, they are corrupt and people um link that to the fact that they were poorly remunerated. So so that that's where I look at it from. From a po- po- point of <laughs> are they deserving? I, I think the challenge one always has with these things is, is you can't tar all of them with the same brush, right? So there's no doubt that we have um, people of really bad character in the the police force, especially uh, members of the SARS unit. And, but we do have some policemen that are decent folk and and trying to do a good job and protecting uh, lives and property. And I think to that extent, one then steps back and says, when you look at the institution itself, are they, well remunerated to do the jobs that they have now. When you when you look at the breakdown of the twenty percent that they were talking about, it it, it speaks to a, diff, a number of different things uh, that had been neglected for a long time. There's a there's a six percent an, an increase to six percent of their shift duty allowance. There's uh, there's an increase in the in the premium uh, for life insurance. And there's even a gap in debt benefits that they haven't paid since 2013 up until now, which they are trying to cover. And, and so it's, I mean, for me, it creates a challenge when you ask people to put their, themselves in harm's way and their standard benefits are not even being provided. So I think to that extent, of course, the government needs to be doing it and they shouldn't be doing it with fanfare. They failed and they're just trying to fix a problem. But then again, when you, when you look into it, you wonder whether it's just another political posturing, because number one, they're hearing that it's only just gone to the um, to the Federal Executive Council for approval, they've approved it, but it wasn't in the original budget, and they're planning to put it in a supplementary budget. And even if they do get around to doing that, before they even get there, they, they, they were talking about the, accountant, the auditor general having to audit first before... They decide what to pay. So this may not even happen in the in the timeline of the Buhari presidency, but they will have scored cheek points and said that oh, they they, they look to increase police salary. Ma. Okay. So um um, I think for that reason, when I, when I put all of it together, it, for me, it's not a question of whether they deserve it or not. For me, I'm, it's a question of government. Um, doing the right oh, thing by okay. no 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 okay. I don't I know. Can you go mute? Oh.
0: Can I get you mute mute your mic? Okay, yes. Carry on, Phoenix. Sorry.
1: So um, I think it's not a, f- a function of whether whether it's deserving or not. I think it's more of, I mean, number one, the the, the 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 pay structure is is not right, and a lot of benefits have not been done in a long time. But for me, there's a bigger question around. The structure of the nigerian police force which i simply do not agree with and i've said several times it is not fit for purpose we cannot have one central police force and until that is addressed issues like raising the the pay structure or the pay level it's just political posturing, as far as i'm concerned it doesn't really address the issues that we have
0: thank you phoenix i just need to ask you a follow-up question because you raised one of the points that also seemed to bother me. The fact that 13 billion was allocated for outstanding outstanding death benefits. I know some of us live in the West and because of that, we're used to things being done uh, properly, but isn't it disturbing that they are telling us that officers die on duty and their families have not been paid for years? Is, is what, what what is going on? Is is that not a problem in itself,
1: Michael? It's unconscionable. That's I mean, when I read it, yeah, I was just I was just shocked. I mean, bear, bear in mind that we've I mean they, they they're saying that since 2013 that's eight years, so there have been two um, presidencies, and this current president is in his second term. <laughs> how do you how do I mean? How do you expect people who see their comrades fall and, and their families are ignored and, and, and left without any benefits, anything to look forward to? How do you expect the, the people who are their um, fellow officers to continue to put themselves in harm's way and and you know knowing fully well that this can happen to them as well? And then you can't I, I would never be one to justify bad behavior. So I mean. Bad police officers need to be uh, dealt with, they need to be prosecuted, but you should not create a situation where bad characters are then, um, I mean, see these things and then it, ju- it justifies in their eyes the things that they do that create the kind of society that we have today. The word for me is unconscionable. I mean, for the for, for the leaders that we have to let this have, have been in place for this long, for, for this to continue, and, and yeah, I, I, I really don't know what to say, seriously.
0: Thank you, Phoenix. You no, know, I, I was very disturbed when I saw that. I thought, oh, wow. So since 2013, and this is the point I bring in, uh, Karaike, can I have two questions for you? The first is, you were obviously an appointee of the Gulag Jonathan administration. And as Phoenix has said, some of the outstanding death benefits uh, arise from that period, 2013, when your government was in office. So first of all, how do you guys explain this kind of uh, disappointing uh, behavior? And the second question is, the other thing that concerns me is the fact that things like this have to be approved by the president in the Federal Executive Council. Why is the Nigerian government functioning like this? Why are issues that are such minor and basic things having to be addressed at the FEC instead of it just being dealt with administratively in the Ministry of Police, for example? So Keneke, could
1: you explain, answer these two questions, please? Thank you very much, um, Gerges. So let me start with the basics. So you you know, in the police, The police. Um,
0: Um, your connection seems to be poor. Kereke. are you able to move to somewhere where we can get some? We can hear you better.
1: Salaries? Are you hearing me?
0: Oh yes, we can hear you better now. Can you start again? Because
1: yeah, I was saying that. I don't know if you remember Kelebolu Bolade, it was the Minister of Police Affairs. you remember him? He was from Ekiti State. So I, I really can't speak to why these debt benefits are being owed. But I know that in the police, in police affairs, so police affairs is basically in charge of the administration of police officers. Now, I'm surprised it's the Minister of Police Affairs that is bringing up this proposal because what this, this is meant to be brought up by the Police Service Commission. The Police Commission is in charge of the administrative quarters, promotion, employment of police officers so i don't know whether he worked with the police service commission to do this so i can't really speak to it because i don't know much i think the chairman of the police service commission during that time was michael kiro um it was uh, this man from middle State, prior as i ended and uh, michael kiro now so i really can't speak to why there are own debt benefits for for this long now, the question I want to find out is which I've been reading of, which I went to research is is this the debt benefits are spread insured or the debt benefits from the federal government? So, there's generally an insurance that all policemen cover, which you can see if you saw in the article, there's an increase in their insured benefits. So, I need to, I don't know which exactly how because I'm surprised that their are owing debt benefits kind of shocking, Nigeria. Um, um, so that is uh. That is it. Now, when you talk about the Federal Executive Council, so unfortunately for you, which is why people shout about restructuring and everything, you understand that um, the issue of security is strictly at the exclusive level. So the federal government is in charge. Now, for anything concerning budgeting or approval over 50 million, the Federal Executive Council has to take place, has to take precedent. That's what the rule states. So the minister has to has to bring it. To the Federal Executive Council for it to be approved. Now, the NSA can do this. The NIA can do can do that too. But you know, because it's a Minister of Police Affairs, so I guess that that responsibility falls to him directly. Now, to what what was your third question? Sorry, Gege.
0: No, there were only two questions, but the first question is: why did your government not deliver? On the death benefits in time you you seem to say you two are shocked, but that's not really shocked. yes I'm,
1: I, I mean I, I wouldn't know i was in foreign affairs and education i wouldn't know what scalable but was doing i mean he stayed there for four he stayed for a while and resigned to then contest elections in the state um with fire shade there. so i i mean i really don't know and i'm surprised this is just coming out you know because i don't know people didn't complain about it there was no outcry Maybe the widows or the families of the 5274 officers that had died didn't say anything. I'm just a bit confused. Was there, was there environment? I'm, I mean, I'm confused that nobody spoke about this. Do you understand? Because if my a police officer, and he dies and it's not being given, I will be shouting every day on TV. It wasn't even, so I'm, I'm totally surprised, you know, on what happened. You know, so I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know about this. So anyway, so so I mean part of the reasons why um, is the answers, but even before the answers, I don't know if you guys remember a scandalous documentary channels did on the police um, police barracks and police college in Woodkanahana does anybody remember?
0: Oh yes, I remember I remember that
1: yes, incident. that incident so I mean these are the things that have plagued on for so long and why people should look generally in 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 sustaining the police force, I may mean, I have a different solution to how we can sustain the police force? Right, we should do it's um, like something like what Lagos State does. You know, the Lagos State Security Trust Fund. The federal government should have that. How many police officers do we have on the payroll? How many police officers are posted? I mean, they increase their digital allowance, which is good. Um, we should look at how better ways of financing our pol- our policemen. You know, because they bear the brunt. You know of security in Nigeria, then even the issue of, I don't think excluding your salaries to stop it, because I guess, I guess the issue with the police in Nigeria, they, it's a mentality thing. These people are just, I don't know, they just, they're not, uh, I, I mean, i rather we employ only graduates as police officers, but that's a discussion for another day. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Kanike. Let me bring in Phoenix. Maybe you can clarify, because Keneike says, he's a bit confused, that was, was it insurance payments that were due? Or was it? Was this money supposed to come from the federal government's budget? Because it's, it's I do think it's strange. Because shouldn't they? Shouldn't this be basic life insurance that insurance company should be paying as opposed to the federal
1: government, Phoenix? So I think I mean, Keneke is right. There, there are two separate things. There's the there's the life insurance um, that's in place, and then there are debt benefits that are. Provided by the government. So my reading of it, is that it's the it's the death benefits provided by the government that have been that have not been paid. That's what you need appropriation for, because the standard premiums are, are already part of your regular regular uh, budget, and you and you pay that. So what they were saying is that the premium they are looking to increase the premiums and continue continue on that course. But the debt benefits, that's where things usually get stuck in governments in Nigeria. These are things that they need to pay normally as a cash out by the government. And that's where things get bogged down. You see that somebody has um, uh, put their hands in the till and and the money has disappeared, or somebody has tried to play fast and loose with, with what has been released to them, or maybe the money is not released. I mean, especially with all of these times that... That we've seen that the there's been a cash crunch in the government. So my reading is this is the this is the part where the government is supposed to make a, a cash payment to the uh, dependents of the deceased that has that they've not paid. It's the same thing that we see with with the back pensions that that exist. So before they move to the uh, the the pension reform plan. And 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 the one that goes to the PFAs and all of that, there used to be a pension scheme that they were supposed to accrue for and pay people directly from the purse of the government. That also gets into trouble because whenever you have a cash out, there's always somebody there to go and uh, uh, to go and do something dastardly with the money. So that's that's where we're struggling. And I think I mean to Keneke's point about uh, people not not crying out or calling out. I don't I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that because bear in mind that we're talking about people who are who are not privileged. So how many of them would have access to the media to be able to do so? And even if they are making the noise, I mean you may simply not it may simply not get into the mainstream. But the fact remains that even the government themselves are coming out and admitting to the fact that they have been negligent, that for the last eight years they simply have not taken care of, of people who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. And and make sure that their families uh, get the right benefit. So, for me, this is a it is another um, um, how would I put it? Another evidence of the of the failure of the Nigerian state and Nigerian elite, the ruling elite, that uh, they let these things happen, and then we see the social problems that follow on with a dis, with a disenchanted police force that resorts to all of the nasty things that we see that comes to the head with the Nsars movement. You can't divorce one from the other.
0: Thank you, Phoenix. My final question on this topic is to I get in your opinion, do you think this 20% increase is enough to stop the police from taking bribes and harassing Innocent uh, commuters on the streets.
1: I don't think it's enough. You're hearing me. Thank you. Again, I don't think it's enough. Um, I just think that the policing problem, to me, is not. It's not even an issue of money. It's an issue of mentality. Something needs to be done right from the um, right from the recruitment processes. I, I don't. I don't think even if they increase their salary by forty percent. I don't know how that's going to change. I don't know how that's going to affect the mentality of the police. I generally don't believe that the 20% will change the mentality of the Nigerian police. The Nigerian police is corrupt in out from top to bottom. Very few of very few of them are not corrupt. I'm sorry to say this, but that's just my opinion. And so we need to we need to look at a better way of recruitment. We need to look at a better way of handling their psychological processes. We need to, they need to be. Penitence for the crimes that some of them do. For example, like you know, if you follow the American policy, they will tell you that they need to take up what is called qualified immunity. So, what kind of qualified immunity did the Nigerian police in Nigeria? What do they have in Nigeria? Did they pay? do they pay the price for their for their misgivings or anything? So, those are the, that's why I don't I don't think that the increase in salary. I mean, it's going to maybe just ruffle some increase some sympathy and everything, but saying it's going to solve or make the police mess up, asking for bribes or acting weird, I don't think it's going to do that. We need to look at creating a very, very deep holistic approach to tackling police issues, policing issues in Nigeria, which is why I support community, community policing. You know, I support community policing. I support restructuring of the country so that we can deal precisely with what is causing crimes and also the attitudes of the society. After all, in certain places you have local vigilantes they don't go around collecting bribes. So why should the policemen collect bribes? They're not even paid more than the Nigerian police. But they act well, they protect their community better and life goes on easily in those places. Um, so that's it then. Thank you very much, Michael.
0: Thank you, Kanake. It's, it's clear that you're not optimistic that this 20% rise is enough to change the culture of the Nigerian police. But on to our next topic. The Gender Equality Bill was presented before the Nigerian Senate by Senator Olujimi. And the overall aim of the bill is to prevent all forms of discrimination against women and to enable them have equal rights in inheritance and in all areas of life. But she's come She's faced stiff opposition in the Nigerian Senate. Uh, a senator from Taraba, Abu Bakr Yusuf alleged that this bill on equality infringes on the Quran. And Senator Wamako of Sokoto says, it's, it comes against their socio-cultural practices. So it appears the bill has has, has, has hit a stalemate or has, has hit the rocks. So, Phoenix, what first of all, how, in your view, do, do we overcome this? Or do we just accept that, well, this is Nigeria and
1: we can't have this bill? Or, or what, what is the solution to this problem, Phoenix? Thanks, Michael. Um, I think the short answer to your question is no, we do not accept this, and we, we will never accept this. Um, we, will, we will continue to pursue the, the political solution to this, which is making sure that we lobby uh, the our lawmakers, make make life uncomfortable for them until they understand that this is what Uh, is required in this day and age in Nigeria. I think, (laughs) you know, the good thing about hearing people make, um, just try to justify their pushback on certain things is that when they then give you their reasoning, you can then tackle the reasoning. So it's not, you're not making it a a personal attack. But if you tell me the reason why you're against it is because it, it contradicts the Quran, then we can tackle that and, and then try to address the issue. In, in 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 all my time, I am not a Muslim, I'm a Christian, but um, I have parts of my family that that are Muslim. And in all my life, I've never heard any, anyone say that the, the Quran expressly uh, states that men and women are not equal. I have since gone back to ask the scholars that I know both in my family and without to tell me if, if this is expressly stated, they've, they've I mean the, the feedback has always been in the negative. So when somebody says that we should be asking him to please show us where where that is the case. But be that as it may, nowhere in the Nigerian Constitution, I've always argued that Nigeria is not a secular state is a multi-religious state because the state acknowledges religion but the state does not put the religion religion before the constitution so so yes you can say if something is egregious to your religion yes it's a fair point for you to bring it out but it should not it it cannot uh, supersede the constitution which clearly states that we are all equal and and that's where the debate needs to be it needs to be that what is what are the we all have always known that this is a diverse country if, if multi-religious, as I say, there are many religions, not just Christianity or Islam, there are the traditional religions that we have. There are different cultures. So we need to find, if we are to remain a country, we need to find a common ground. What, are, what, what is going to be the common norm that keeps us together? Otherwise we should split up the country and go our separate ways. And that common norm has to be a constitution that acknowledges our differences, but finds grounds of commonality based on, equity, justice, and fairness. And, and it is on that premise that it, it, has to be, it has to be that gender equality should not even be something that we're debating. But because we're in such a country as this, we need to then have laws that ensure that that is enshrined as part of us being one country. And that's why this, this I mean, I, I salute Senator Lujimi. And I think that this, she needs to continue to push it and with the support of, of, of Nigerians to make sure that this is the case. No, there's no country that can progress when one half of its people are, are seen as less than. There's, there's no country. We've seen countries where, that have moved away from this archaic past and started to move into the future. We've seen countries that are wholly Islamic countries beginning to make changes. To 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 ensure that equality becomes norm. So why are we now going backward? I mean, the countries where you've taken this religion from are moving forward. If you are claiming that that is the basis, which I which we all know that is not the basis, at least from from scholars that I've heard, read from and heard heard from, no one is saying that this is based on on Quranic ideals. But we also understand that there are social cultural no norms in parts of the country where this has always been the case and they would like to hold on to that for their own specific reasoning it's the same conversation we have about you know sharia law and some people will, will claim sharia, sharia law but they will claim a distorted sharia law for their own ends so people take certain things and then you know bastardize it to suit their own ends and then try to make that the the prevailing view of it. And and that's what we must push back against. It's either we exist as one country with with a commonality of of norms that takes into account the fact that yes, we are different, but let's have a basis on equity, justice, and fairness that allows us to coexist. Is it that we have that? And and that will be a foundation for ensuring that gender equality is, is not even something that we discussed about is a given as well as equality among the different tribes and, and different peoples, and, we, and, and everybody can aspire to be anything in this country, is that we have that. Or we restructure the country, a way, or we separate entirely. We have to make those choices. And I'm hoping that this conversation that is being had doesn't, doesn't go away, but that we continue to keep the pressure on and use this as one of those things that really trigger the, the restructuring of this country and the conversations that need to be had to, to to really move us forward. It is it is it is beyond the pill to even be hearing this kind of just
0: thank you phoenix let me bring in Kenaike. Um Keneike, Phoenix has explained how he's even challenged scholars that he knows and many of them have said look there's no basis for this kind of discrimination in Islam and Many other people, even on social media, have said, look, there are many Muslim countries in the world where women enjoy equal rights and are progressing in all aspects. So what is it about Nigeria that seems hell-bent on imposing uh, discrimination on women when they could easily look to progressive countries to adopt their, their, their more progressive um, type of Islam, why, why is, is Nigeria different, uh,
1: Um Thank you very much. So let me start with, um, con- with, with um, thanking Senator Biodion for passing the bill. Now, if you read the story, I mean, she's someone I've met before. She was a deputy governor to Fire share. She was a commissioner in NCC before she became senator in um, 2015. And uh, she's presented this bill three times. If I change the name and some bodies on the be. it was gender equality now she's made it gender equity and she was still rejected. Now to the issue of Islam. You see why sometimes people tell you that Islam is a thought is a thought a thought ending cliche. It's perfect. So I, I really can't go into details. Now, when you talk of Sharia Sharia is subject to interpretation. There's no Sharia law, rule or law. It is subject to the interpretation of whoever is implementing it. For example, the sharia being practiced in Iran and the sharia being practiced in Saudi Arabia are not the same thing. I mean, we've gone to Iran before. The women die in education. They, are in, they, don't, even, they don't even, some of them don't even need to cover their head as tricky. They can walk on their own. They don't need harams. They, they don't need that. They're even a lot more freer in Iran than in Saudi. Saudi didn't even start allowing women to drive to how many years ago? So, I mean, when we, when we talk of Sharia, it's not about, the, the problem is that because the subject to the interpretation of people implementing it. That's where the problem, that's so why people don't want it. Now, let's talk about Nigeria. So, which is why if you come on certain platforms now, you hear about the self-determination people and the people that want Nigeria to structure. I am for restructuring. Nigeria cannot function the way it is. Nigeria is not functioning. And one of the clear, one of the biggest examples of that of, of it is this issue of gender equality, this deal that we are doing with be passed because whether we want to agree or not. Politics, culture, culture and religion, sorry, always interfere with people's politics. And it's not only in Nigeria, it's done in America. I mean, if you left to certain people in America, America will be a Christian state. I mean, you see what happens in America again. Okay. So how do you ensure that people don't allow their own opinions, whether it's religious or cultural to affect people? How? is to make sure you vote in the right But unfortunately, in Nigeria, the Northerners control the voting and the Senate. For example, I'm from the South. The Southeast has five states, meaning that we have only 15 senators. The Northwest has seven states, meaning that they always have to do one senators. So there's really a deficit of six senators over the Southeast. Now, the Northwest, the Northeast, the North Central. They have six, six, six states, that's eight, um, 18, 18, So you can see where the problem is. Now, only the Southeast and the South-South are completely homogeneous in terms of religion. That everybody in the South-South and everybody in the Southeast is a Christian. Before, in your home state of Edo State, used to be one man, he used to be suit. like Edo-not, used to have a Muslim senator. They had uh, Domingo, I don't know if Domingo Bende was Muslim, but he's no longer a senator. Um down you have Francis Ali Miken. Now before you have one Senator, uh, ah, forgotten his name from that out here side. I've forgotten his name, but those are the places that you should produce the Muslim. But now it is wholly homogeneous. So in the southwest, you have it. We have maybe plur- plurality of Christian it. maybe just maybe just one advantage. Same thing in the North Central, you have more Muslim senators in the Northwest. You have only one Christian in the top of that 21. It's maybe Danjimalea representing Kaduna South. In the Northeast, it's maybe about four from Taraba and Adamawa. The rest are mostly Muslims. So, how do you solve that problem? If one says that the bill is interfering with his own Islamic teachings, what do you do? Do you cause a riot? Do you shout? It's for them to know where their leanings lie, which is why I'll still stand on the hill that Nigeria should. Divide or restructure, or if the doesn't want to restructure, we should divide. Another point I should look at why is Biyaji Olujimi only the lone voice in this issue? Where is Rami Tinubu, the wife of the Jagaban? Where is she? Where does she say? What does she have to say? In the whole of the North, okay, okay, there's only one female senator. Now, when I mean the North, I mean the Northwest. There's no female senator from the Northwest. There's no female senator from the North Central. Can you imagine? Not one. The only female senator in the north is from the north. It's from a woman named Aish, Aisha Tudairu Ahmed, representing Adamawa, one of the zones in Adamawa. Where is she in this battle? Well, how come nobody has heard from her? How come nobody has, has not put out a statement? Nothing. It is Biodo Lujime from Ekiti South that is fighting for the northerners. I mean... In my state of Anambra, we can proudly say that we don't do things like this. I mean, in fact, I have two senators representing me, Uche Kwinife and um, Selodua. We've got the only state that has produced a female governor. So these are not the issues that we worry about. But in the North, those are the issues that they worry about. So, um, unfortunately, or for me, I have no sympathies for anybody, for the people in the North. I mean, that's my, this is my opinion, because if they will not fight for themselves, they should expect me to fight for them. So if a man like Ali Wamaku, Ali Wamaku was one of the senators that fought against this deal. Now, put this in context. This was just a man that was a governor of Sokoto State for eight years. This was a man that was a governor of Sokoto State for eight years. So if a man that was governor is thinking like this, he has been governor for he was governor for eight years, he has been senator since he left, left office. This should be his second. When did he leave office? 2015. This is his second term. If he thinks like this, how do you think he governs our states? Let's be honest. How do you think he governs that state? What is the view of Kashim Shetima, the former governor of Bondeo, now senator? What is his view? What is his view of Dajima Goje? What is the view of Bukai Brian? These are former governors in the north. What are their views? So it's not an issue of um, whether we want progressive. Nigeria is not a progressive country. Nigeria is not progressive. So um, uh, it's, not, it's not an issue of whether there will be... Um, whether we can ever win this battle. Like I told, I was in a room on Clubhouse and they were asking my opinion and I told them, it's a battle that you're going to lose. I mean, I'm being very, being, being very pragmatic. You're not doing that battle. Now, because you had the Senate president, I know the rules concerning the Senate. If Ahmed Lawal feels that the bill is problematic, let him present it to the Senate. Let's all know who votes no. Let's know whether it passed first reading, second reading or then third reading before it's finally passed. But no, he told the complaint he told Senator Olujimi that the companions have an issue with it. And Olujimi, Senator, took back the bill. Now, this is a woman that says she has 62 co-sponsors. I mean, 62, that's more than almost three-quarters of the house. That's, that's that's enough to pass a bill. But no, Ahmed Lawan told her to take it back. Ahmed Lawan did that. What is what is the view of the Senator representing Delta, Delta South? That's... Uh, of of make Omar Ghege, the Senate president. How about the Senate leader representing Kevin not Yao What what are their views? So I cannot we, we in the South, we cannot cry more than the bereaved. If they say they will not pass that bill and fight for it, then I mean I, I reserve my I reserve my my sympathy. Because this is where we expect the Northern leaders, the women in the North to fight. You don't want you don't like what is good for you, but if they're gonna choose their religion over things that would benefit them or things we call human rights. Who am, it, who am I to complain? But the only thing I have to say is that this is one of the reasons why Nigeria should restructure. This is one of the reasons why Nigeria should change its path because the current structure of Nigeria now is not working. If simple bills like this cannot be passed, then we're just joking in that country. Okay, again. thank you.
0: Thank you, Kanike, Phoenix. Taneke says this is a battle that will be lost because northern senators or the majority of northern senators will not support the bill. And he's highlighted examples of Senator Lawan, who's the Senate president, uh, Kashim Shatima, uh, Ali Wamako of Sokoto, and many others, who he says have all gone quiet or seem to be subtly opposing the bill. So do you agree, Phoenix, that this is a battle that is lost?
1: Like I said earlier, I don't agree that it's a battle that is lost. Um, um, I mean, when I look, when I read the report, of course, I mean, it's easy to say um, a senator from Plateau State, which is not central, would naturally lean towards supporting such a bill. But yes, Stefanos Giang did, did speak up in favor of the bill, as did Stella Odua and uh, uh, a, se- a female senator from Aquaibo. Um, so, if, for me, it's not a, and I don't think it's a north-south issue. The bill is called Gender e- Equality Bill, or Equity Bill, or whatever you want to call it. For me, it's it's it's. I mean, the original name was G- Gender Equality Bill, and that and that's is a bill that speaks to ensuring that every Nigerian woman, not just northern Nigerian women, are seen as equal to Nigerian to their male counterparts. So. For me, and, and this is not one thing that we're going to make a north-south issue. It is going to be a Nigerian issue because it leads, it has a knock-on effect on other things. We Nigeria has a problem with, with, with equity, with justice. We see it every day. We see people, we see people who are poor not get the same justice as people who are wealthy. It is part of this problem. We see people in in certain parts of the country where we have to be saying that, oh, the next president of this country should come from the Southeast, as, as though it should even be a, a subject for debate. So for me, gender equality bill is a, a strand in all of those different um, areas that we see inequality in Nigeria. And so we must speak out in favor of this one so that we can then use that as a domino effect to solve all the other problems that we have in Nigeria. Kenneke mentioned um, Senator Remi Tinobu and I'm, I'm not, I, I, I mean, she's not someone I, I hold in, her in, in any regard. I mean, so I'm, I'm not surprised at, at the positions that she takes and, and the fact that she doesn't stand up as one of the very senior female senators and somebody married to the national leader of, of the APC who would have some sway in, in at least getting this, this, this done. But the one place you heard her voice was when Ahmed Lawan was asking Oli who has support, who has been working on this bill since 2019, to go back and consult again. And she supported that motion that it should be stepped down and go back to consult again. So, I mean, you know people for who they are, and and you know their positions. You know this same Remy Tinubu who has been caught with a hot mic saying all sorts of um, 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 nonsense talk about about people from the southeast and all of those kind of things. So those are not the kind of people that you expect to step up here. But um, but I believe with the pressure from the Nigerian people that we we I mean. We can bring enough pressure to bear to ensure that this is not a lost cause, and that this 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 gets us there, and and so there are enough senators in that in that house who can who pressure can be on to to ensure that this happens. So it's not a lost cause in my view.
0: Thank you, Phoenix. Uh, time is up. up for so we need to go to the next topic. But I suppose the your point is that this is not a north south issue. But unfortunately, in the Senate, whenever these bills come up, it splits into a North-South-East So I suppose the point is, even if you don't want it to be,
1: it always seems to end up that way. Well, mm-hmm. the, point the point I'm making is that there are people from the South who also don't support. O- Ovi Agege is from the South. I didn't hear him supporting. Remy Tunubu is from the South. I don't hear her supporting. So it's, that's why I say it's not a North-South issue. It's a political issue. So you just have to find the right political levers to ensure that you get the right support to make it happen.
0: Okay, let me, let me ask uh, Keneike then. Keneike, do, do you agree with them uh, with Phoenix that this is not a north-south issue?
1: Well, um, so while I say not the north-south issue, like I said earlier, bills are passed basically on cultural and religious beliefs. Even in America, I mean, you follow what happens in America now. I want to ask a question. He mentioned Stephen Agos gang. I know, I know the daughter. He was a former policeman, police commissioner. I know the daughter of that man. Uh, so he's a Christian. So I want to know how many Muslims came out and supported that bill? How many Muslims came out and supported the bill? How many? The, unfortunately, again, like I said, there are more Muslims than Christians in the Senate, which is understandable. There are more Muslims than Christians in the Senate. So why? is It might not be a North-South issue. It is a religious issue. It is a religious issue. So how do you solve religious biases in Nigeria? It is a lost cause. And let me give you why it's a lost cause. Let's talk about the Child's Right Act. How many states in the North have domesticated it? How many have domesticated the Child's Right Act? How many? Tell me. How many states in the North? You know, I mean, were you not, you participated in the campaign led by that lady on Twitter. What happened? Did not resolve to insult. Mind your business. All those things, please. So that's, I mean, Nigeria is Nigeria is what it is, which is why I said we should go back to restructuring. How many people supported it? And Senator Olu, Olujimi has presented this bill three good times. Three good times. Even when Bukola Saraki was the Senate President, like somebody who is more, even more level-headed, he couldn't even put it to a votes. So, I mean, I don't know how it's not a lost cause, but people can continue hoping about um, certain issues in Nigeria. I I I don't, uh, I think it's a lost cause. I think that maybe they finish to spend their time on doing things that everybody will agree with. Because in Nigeria, you can see how we govern here, how we live here. People are always, always biased towards their religion. I mean, I don't know what we can do about it. And I'm not going to fault it as a Nigerian problem, right? I'm going to look at it as a as a um, as a opinion problem. I mean, I, 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 we discuss American politics a lot. You know how I feel about certain issues, but it's the same thing happens in Nigeria. People have very very strong views. I don't know how we can do it, but for me, it's a lost cause. Um, maybe in the next senate, twenty twenty three, if they have a more reasonable senate, if they have more reasonable senators, they should fight. But these are things maybe the feminists should wake up and start fighting for. They should play their politics right and stop looking for um, unforeseen enemies. This is this is the real enemy. This isn't happening, is happening. it's the real enemy. Thank you. Thank you. Can I? It's
0: interesting to hear the contrast, but. I think you've sort of agreed with uh, Phoenix. So it's, it's not necessarily North-South. It appears to be more of a religious issue, so more of a religious matter than as opposed to North-South. But uh, time will tell to see who's right, whether this is a lost cause or not. Well, I, I hope it's not a not lost cause because it's important for us that all Nigerian women have the same rights that Nigerian men do. But on to our final topic, which is the cult the, the the proliferation of cult groups in nigeria and their influence in nigerian politics this is an interesting topic because we discussed it briefly during our last podcast but at the time our guest seemed to imply that it wasn't um, he 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 wasn't as widespread as it, as it seems to be so firstly to phoenix the bbc literally the day our podcast was posted the bbc did an expose on cult groups in Nigeria, and it turns out there's this is group called Black Axe, and one of their senior members was an APC candidate in the 2019 election. They also talked about the governor or former governor of Edo State, Adams Zoshiomole, and his own links to the Black Axe cult group and how he used them to campaign and get up, get power and I apparently offer them. A number of appointments in his government to compensate them for their support. So, the Phoenix. Um, how how has Nigeria come to the point where cults appear to have
1: taken over our political parties? Michael, I, I think it was inevitable, right? Um, I mean, if we if we if we first understand the. Um, the impact of of military rule on Nigeria and, and the fact that we we practically had a strong man culture and, and all of that. And, and then even when we moved into democracy, we, we, had, we, we started out with an Obasanjo who was who was never shy to to use a, a, a hard hand where he thought it was the right thing to do. And, of course, we, we saw how uh, elections were fiercely contested and how it beca- how being part of government became the number one game in town and, and all sorts of characters um, got into it and it became a do-or-die affair for them. So, for me, when you look at Nigeria's antecedents, it's, I mean, it's a surprise that it's even only just coming to light now because they were quite prevalent in in all of our institutions of higher learning, especially in the South, across the board. And so these people (laughs) were going to get out of school and then integrate into society. And they would find themselves in places of influence one one way or the other. And ultimately, uh, because, you know, the, the part, for me, where it becomes clear is because we had such a militarized state, for them to have survived so long meant that it, it, they definitely had government patronage or, or people in, in places of influence who, who used these cults and, and used them for their own means. Because for you to have people, I mean, societies or organizations that open, openly bore arms and went about, you know, doing their own thing, in such a state like Nigeria that had force that the state wanted to be the wanted to have the monopoly on force. They would not have let them survive or carry on if they did not have, you know, that clear go, um, OK from from powers that be, where clear boundaries were there, and as long as they don't cross those boundaries, they can they are allowed to do whatever they want. And then of course, as we evolved in, in into civilian rule, it was natural that the politic the politicians who were playing this do-or-die politics would lean on, on them. So it's it's for me just a function of, I mean, the, the 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 Nigerian state and the kind of characters that we've had in leadership and all the things we keep talking about, you know. Um, I mean, when you when you hear Adams Schumolet and you it, that one shocked me because, well, I don't know why it still shocks me because, I mean, we saw the guy, um, <laughs> you know, evolve into something as far away from what he was earlier known as, as a union leader, as a, a man of the people. We saw him when he became a governor and even after. So maybe I shouldn't be saying that it shocks me uh, that he would be in bed with this kind of characters, but he would not be the only one. We've also seen uh, in Lagos how... Bolati Nubu has used his own thugs and, and all of that. So it's like everyone within the Nigerian state has been allowed to have their own private armies and, and to do and to enable things like this. And the, the problem then becomes when they get out of hand, how do you rein them in? How do you make and when people when opposing interests build their own their own individual armies? who suffers, it's the, it's the ordinary people that suffer, it's the state that suffers, it's the lawlessness and, and break, complete breakdown of law and order that you see. It's the co-opting of uh, the law enforcement agencies. We talked about the police earlier. I mean, we we, we see them. Um, I mean, if you, anyone who wrote the documentary would have seen how they are party to this. So it, it, it just shows that the, the caliber of leadership that we've had, has been very poor, and because their view has always been to capture as much of of the Nigerian states with their entire mentality, they've obviously allowed these uh, characters to run free, And, and now it's a problem that is bubbling to the surface, and we're now seeing them having found their ways into places of influence, it's not a question of how do you root them out. That's going to be the that's going to be the challenge that Nigeria is going to face going forward, because all of I mean if you also look at our political structure. A lot of the political leadership has been held by the older cadre I mean much older kids so the Buharis and his generation they're all dying out, they're all leaving. and What is becoming clear is that those who are taking their place are uh, these guys who have been part of these societies and who have found themselves, you know, raised up into, into different fabric of the Nigerian state and yeah, practically handing over the country to to brigands. And I mean, I mean it reminds me of that, that famous uh, uh, phrase, Barbarians at the gates. No, they're not. <laughs> they're already in the palace <laughs> at this time. It's it's crazy. Thank you,
0: Phoenix. Kereke, Phoenix has said barbarians are not at the gates. They're already in the palace. Now I know, Kereke, you attended the University of Benin or popularly called Uni-Ben. And apparently in your time, it was a hotbed of black acts activity. So can you talk us through your, your experience if you have any experience of dealing with black acts and have you had any contact with them in your time in politics or did you witness firsthand how they engaged in their dubious behavior whilst capturing power can i k um
1: gege i can tell you that the black cast ruled Inibin when i was in Uniben. that's about 20 something 20 18 years ago. In fact, it was a battle between the Black Axe and the Area Confrontality. So the Black Axe people control where the core is called Ekosodi and certain parts of sasuge The Area people control where it's called BDPA. You know, so it was tough. You know, I met a lot of, of Black Axe people. Um, I mean, I was cool with them. I had I was called your general because I stayed in school so long because of the course I read. So I never had any issues with them. I managed my own business, you know. In fact, the only people that tried to harass me when of the members of the area fraternity, but that's a different story. So now, but the issue now is that those people have left school and they've all become, some of them are doing well for themselves. So of course they'll have to grow further in life. But did they drop the attitude? Did they drop the cold feeling? I don't think so. I'm not surprised that Adam Sashomeli so had a relationship with uh, the uh, black acts people because that was a bad university of Benin was at the time a bedrock of the two major confraternities, Black Axe versus, yeah, so I'm not surprised at that documentary. In fact, uh, I would have been shocked if I didn't see that. Let me be honest with you. not talking down on anyone, but I would have been shocked if I didn't see that, yeah. So that's it. I mean, uh, I'm not surprised about the documentary. I'm totally not surprised. In fact, I'm telling you that if I didn't see a documentary like that, I would have been shocked. Thank you very much.
0: Keneke, my my follow-up question to you is, I know a lot of the allegations are that it was APC politicians that took advantage of these cult groups. But in your time in government and within the PDP, did you get any indication that your party was also uh, procuring the services of cult members? So
1: I'm going to leave this at the state level. Now when I say state level, I want to tell you that I can tell you that in certain states, it was an issue. So these people have um, linkages with the state governor. So it's it's mostly a state issue. So, for example, you can say in Enugu states, there was a rumor that the governor then, Chimaruki, had a lot of relationships with court members and stuff. So it's basically a state issue. It's not a federal issue. So I can't speak to the federal government, but you know, when they are saying they are bringing their boys, you don't know where these boys are cutting from. So it's a both side, it's a both party issue. That's all I can say. It's a both party issue. But for Benin, what I schooled, it was something else during that time. Thank you. Thank you, Kanike. That's quite
0: interesting. So in your view, these things are happening at the state level. The federal government might not know where these boys have come from, but the governors at the state level would know. So to, Phoenix, we are now here, lives have been lost, power has been gained by these violent groups, and the only thing they know is violence. So how do ordinary law-abiding Nigerians take power from cult groups who have now entrenched themselves in government? Phoenix. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you see that that's a, that, the problem is a lot. No, it, every, every day it seems to me like law-abiding Nigerians are in the minority. I I constantly hope not, but it it just it just seems so. The other challenge that we have is you have Nigerians that let themselves be divided, be divided by the same political elite that we're talking about, and so they don't come together and, and truly want good governance. Um, all they want is to align themselves with with one side and and then defend and and support inanity and and all of that the only way they can get around this is to find is to believe in a, in a vision of a positive nigeria and then pursue that pursue that uh primarily through the political option which i've now i'm hoping has become entrenched after 20 plus years that we've been been at it um in 2015, a lot of them promised that, yes, what they were looking for was change. What they were looking for was good governance. And they came out with a lot of energy and, and removed the sitting president. For, for them to want to take over this country and, and put it on the right path, they need to find that energy and come back. Find that energy and, and make sure that uh, they're, they're all singing from the same hymn book and then come out on Mars um, to, to, to vote differently defend their votes and and then see if if things begin to change one step at a time. Um, unless, you, unless you have a different set of uh, political elite, a different set of leaders, you're not going to move, move the needle here. And, and that's what we're seeing. And first step, like I said, is for Nigerians to even find common ground. And, and, and that for me, it may be a tall order, but that that's where it needs to start from thank
0: you phoenix I, I think you're you're
1: probably right that's the only
0: option they just need to organize better and fight to keep the power um, our time is nearly up so i need to ask kenekhi a final question because I, I need to get some clarification on this so kenekhi according to you you were called the the odionware at the university of benin i'm i'm from edo state so i think Odionwere is 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 the the head of the family of every family. So the question, Keneke, is you yourself, you, you said you were not a member of the Black Axe. So why were the Black Axe members hailing you by calling you the, the where what, what did you have that they wanted?
1: Okay, so Ge-ge, it's, it, what basically happened was that I lived in one place for seven years. So I saw people enter university. I saw people leave secondary school, EDSS, other schools, and gone to, come into uni, ben, and graduate before me. So, I mean, it's just it was just a basic respect that, okay, this guy might not be one of us, but he's um, he has lived there Well, we need to accord, accord him some respect. I lived in the same place for seven years. So people around there that knew me, while I knew their own lanes, they couldn't come and harass me. So just say, bros, how you doing? And, uh, ah, this is not a general, we couldn't leave him. Well, like, you know, yeah. So that's basically what it was, you know. The explanation to me was that a general was the oldest person in an area, that's what it meant, not really the head of the household, if I, if I recall correctly what I was explained when, when, the, when I asked them what it meant. You know, just to piggyback on what some of the things um, Phoenix, Phoenix said, um, so, I mean, we have to organize better, you know, like, uh, Ge-ge, you, know my, you know my views on this, I'm a pragmatic person, I don't go around crying. I just do that if I lose an election, I need to organize better. So I implore everyone. To maybe start find, start being political. Start finding out what happens. Start knowing your rep member, your House of Assembly member, your Senate member. As long as Nigeria as an entity keeps on surviving. I don't think Nigeria is going to survive more. I believe that Nigeria is going to crush the weight of injustice. But as we are moving on, we need to also play both ways. Find out who are the people. Find out, like, you know, you're, you're from where? You're being in right. So your senator is most likely Clifford Odia. Do you speak to Clifford Odia? Do you speak to Martin Zuhogide? Do you write Francis Ali Mikena? Do you write them? Do you speak to Clifford Odia? Serious a reasonable person. You know, we should find out all those things. I don't know what local government you're from, but you're most likely you're being represented by, are you from North or South, or are you from uh, Iboba? You know, so it's, those are the things that we should find out. We should find out who are representing us, write to them, be more interested in what they do, then we can, get things better, but if you stay aloof I don't care and stay, it doesn't stop you well. I don't know what to say. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Kanike, aka the Odionwere. I'm actually from Edo South, from Benin City, to be precise, from the Oloke family of Benin. So yes, my senator is Senator Matthew Urogide. But I think I agree with yourself and Phoenix that Nigerians need to organize better. When you lose an election, yes, be upset. Yet, mourn, yes, mourn. But mourning does not change things. You have to organize uh, better. But our time is up. So firstly, I must thank you, Odionwere Keneke, for taking time out to be here. Thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting this podcast with me. And finally, thank you to our listeners for always being loyal and giving us helpful feedback. I think by this time next week or Christmas is in a few days time. So to those of you who celebrate Christmas, I say Merry Christmas and have a fantastic seven days.
1: Thank you, Michael. And uh, thank you, Keneke for joining us. Uh, Thank thank you, Michael. And thank you, Phoenix, for what a lovely uh, uh, presentation. I mean, commentary. Thank you very much. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Keneke. And thank, thank you, you, listeners. Thank you for always listening to us. Of course, uh, uh, <laughs> this story on police uh, salary increase has reminded me that, yes, we continue to agitate for NSAR and to not forget the, the Leckie massacre and all of that. But indeed, um, I wish you all uh, a Merry Christmas. And as we go towards the end of the year, um, look forward to uh, uh, a Happy New Year. So, But I'm sure we'll, we'll still be presenting another show before then. And uh, let's see if we're able to share some, some more of our thoughts. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week ahead.